0: We're in our brand new series, Consider Christ, and uh, we started this last Sunday, and I like some of what Jason said uh, in his testimony and then even in his prayer. This is part of what this series is designed to do is we meditate on who Jesus is and the strength he gives. And so last week was the first, uh, the first lesson that we had in this and we just called it Consider Christ. We just kind of talked about the person of Christ and how we should consider him throughout each week. And then we said as we go through the rest of this series, we're going to consider some of his uh, characteristics and his attributes And so this morning, uh, let's talk about consider His presence. Consider His presence uh, in the lives of all believers, those of us who are Christians, children of God. Trials are going to come into our lives, as we've already sort of mentioned this morning. There's going to be trials, problems, tests that come into our lives that can cause us to be filled with fear. And it's when the trials come. I mean, it's easy. We can all stand here today. If, if we're on the mountaintop this morning and there's no problems in our lives, it's easy to get up and to, and to say these things. But when the trials come, many times we often forget about the one who's with us through every trial, Jesus Christ. And he's bigger than any trial that we can face. And we can say that uh, this morning. But again, when we get in the middle of the trial... That's when our faith will be tested, and we have to remember that fact that Jesus Christ is bigger than our problems, and He'll be with us every step of the way. I want you to look with me in Mark chapter 4, verse number 35, as we talk about considering His presence this morning, Uh, we will see that if we've ever been tempted to doubt or tempted uh, to have fear in the middle of problems, we're in pretty good company. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse number 35. Jesus and his disciples have just finished a long day of ministry. And the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. They awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose, and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, "What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey?" We can be encouraged this morning that Christ is with us through every single trial. Just like he was with the disciples on that boat in the middle of their storm, Jesus Christ is with us through every single trial. Uh, we're going to learn this morning that we should pray for strength when trials come. And we've got to be prepared to trust the Lord in the middle of every single storm. Now, all throughout the earthly ministry of Christ, he was busy doing his father's business. You remember all the way back in, in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 2, Jesus has grown up, they, they've gone, Joseph and Mary, they, they lose Jesus. Jesus. And you remember what Jesus said to him when he finally found him? He says, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? Now this was young Jesus that said that. And all throughout his earthly ministry, he was on a divine timetable. Every single thing that Jesus did, he did it with purpose. There was a plan behind everything... ...that Jesus did. Every single deed uh, was a deed that was meant to glorify the Father. That was one of the things we talked about last week... ...as we talked about considering Christ. One of the things that Christ wanted to do with His life... ...was glorify the Father. And so our passage uh, this morning here in the book of Mark... ...it takes us to the Galilean ministry of Jesus. And this part of the ministry of Christ was full of miracles... Uh, and his preaching. It was a wonderful ministry. And so here they are in Galilee. They've had a busy day of ministry. So he says to the disciples, let us pass over to the other side. And that would take him to the, uh, the country of the Gadarenes where he would continue doing his father's business. And so Christ and his disciples, they get on onto this uh, ship to cross the Sea of Galilee. Again, where Jesus says to the other side, this was about a six-mile ...stretch of water that they're going to cross. And the Sea of Galilee, this was a place that the Lord had been to many times. And then, of course, as we think about the disciples that were with him... ...these men, several of them, what was their professional occupation? They were fishermen. So these men, they were very familiar with the Sea of Galilee. They had grown up on these shores. This may have been their, the, the banks of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, maybe this was their playground... As children. And as they get older, they're on the water day in and day out. As professional fishermen, veterans uh, with, with the oars. They know every current and every mood that the Sea of Galilee could possibly have. And I like what John Phillips said about this. He said, The Lord was in safe hands when he boarded that boat. Rather... The disciples were in safe hands once he stepped onto the boat. But the disciples, you know, they kind of think, hey, Jesus, go ahead and get on here. We know all about this lake. We know how to handle this. You just get on, Jesus. We'll take care of everything. And they begin to go across the river, uh, across the lake, across the Sea of Galilee, in their own power and in their own strength. But on this particular journey, The disciples, they're about to learn just how much they needed the Lord. They might have thought that they could navigate that small lake without any assistance, without any help, without any problems. But they're about to see their own need for the power of God when this mighty storm begins to rage on this simple trip across the Sea of Galilee. Now, sometimes in our lives, we begin our days feeling pretty confident. Like, I can handle whatever happens, I can do this, I can navigate the waters of life on my own, and we can get from one side to the other without any help at all. And we begin to kind of neglect the Lord and the strength that he offers to us. And that's when the unplanned storms of life begin to hit us. And we realize that we cannot navigate our own way because that's what happened to the disciples through this storm. And even though we may forget the Lord and we may forget His presence, again, that's the lesson this morning, consider His presence. He is always there with us, even if we forget Him, He's still there. And from the disciples' story this morning, I want us to see three truths this morning, something that we can learn. This will help us as we go into this next week. If we'll take this and apply it to our lives, it'll help us as we consider his presence. Number one, the reality of storms. The reality of storms. We saw in those first three verses, verse 35, 36, and 37, he says, "'Let us pass over to the other side. "'They took him even as he was in the ship.'" And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. The fact that Jesus was on the boat with these disciples, it didn't guarantee that they had a safe trip, a smooth trip across, did it? I mean, they have Jesus, the God-man, in the boat with them, and yet they still found themselves in a storm. You know, there's people today who will teach that if you're living for Christ, that once you become a Christian, that everything... In life will be perfect you 'll never have any trials that 's simply not true though is it? Uh, the enemy will do his best when you decide to live for Christ and you give your life to him, you put your faith in him and you decide i 'm going to live my life for jesus christ i 'm going to glorify the Father like Jesus glorified the father you 're going to find out that there 's a very real enemy who will attempt to stir up some storms in your life. Some preachers. Uh, proclaim what they call the prosperity gospel. Accept Christ, you'll be rewarded with wealth and health and happiness. But that's a false gospel, it's completely unbiblical. Some of the greatest people in the Bible experienced intense storms and trials. And so if you're going through a season of difficulty in your life right now, don't just immediately assume that God is somehow punishing you. Sometimes the Lord does allow circumstances into our lives to chasten us and to draw us back to Him. We can look at the life of Jonah. There was a storm in the life of Jonah that was sent to bring him back, a correctional storm. But sometimes trials just come into the lives of faithful Christians. So don't just immediately assume that God is punishing you. We can look at the life of Job and see that. The disciples... Of Jesus, I mean, these were not perfect men by any means. But let me ask you this. Were these disciples, were they in the will of God by being in that boat? They were. They were obeying Christ. He'd already said, let's go to the other side. So they have obeyed Christ. They are directly in the perfect will of God. And yet they're about to experience one of the worst storms of their life. So when you're obeying Christ, when you're doing what's right in life, and you think, man, I'm serving God, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, and a storm comes into life, some trial hits you, don't quit and give up and just immediately assume, man, it must be something that I'm doing wrong, or it must be that God doesn't love me. Because when you're in the middle of the will of God, you may still experience storms. And from this experience, let's look at two specific realities of storms. First, they can be unpredictable. The Sea of Galilee. It lies 732 feet below sea level. Because of the unique position of the Sea of Galilee and the mountain ranges around it, Uh, I was reading uh, what one meteorologist had to say about this. They say the way that the airflow and the air currents and the way that the pressure systems move across the mountains that in an instant, storms can blow up on the Sea of Galilee. Very unpredictable. One moment, everything fine, and just a few minutes later, a terrible storm can happen. We can think back in just, in just a couple of recent years. You remember the disaster, the tragedy at Table Rock Lake at Branson, how just in a moment, a thunderstorm blows up. People lost their lives out there on the water. And you had skilled people. So here's the disciples in a very similar situation. They're facing a storm, and they may have never seen a storm just like this one before. They were fearful for their lives in this unpredictable storm, but they neglected. They forgot who was on board the ship with them. Jesus was there. And if we look back at verse number 35... What does Jesus say? He says, let us pass over to the other side. Jesus has already promised them, hey, we're going to the other side. So Jesus has given them promise, we're going to get there. They could count on the word of God, couldn't they? Jesus says, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. But this unpredictable storm pops up. And storms are unpredictable to us. But are they ever unpredictable to God? God knows exactly, nothing ever takes him by surprise. I love that song, Uh, the chorus, nothing takes you by surprise here beneath these troubled skies. There's a comfort just to realize, nothing takes you by surprise. As we go through storms, as we go through trials in our lives, God knows exactly what he's doing as he brings them to us and as he brings us through them. One of the great purposes that God has in trials is to make us uh, conformable to the image of Christ. We sort of talked about this last week in our lesson, but in Romans eight twenty eight, we think about the great verse. Uh, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, for them who are the, uh, called uh, according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. Jesus wants you... To be uh, God wants you to be like His Son, Jesus. And as we go through trials, storms, those are opportunities for God to mold us to become more like Jesus as we consider His presence. During peaceful times, we have a tendency to kind of become complacent toward God. We have a tendency during peaceful times that we become uh, sort of dependent on self. And we think, kind of like maybe those fishermen, man, I've been here a thousand times, I can do this in my sleep, I can do this in my own power, and my own strength, I can get across the lake. And then we realize that, no, we can't, we need God's help. And then our hearts are humbled. And we begin to seek God for answers. And then that's when God can begin to shape us and mold us again. So the unpredictable storms are actually God's predictable way of helping us to become more like Jesus. Because we know that's what God wants for each of us, doesn't He? He wants us to become more like Jesus. So then we can just kind of predict, okay, there may be some unpredictable storms that are going to come into my life, and these are opportunities for growth, maturity, to become more like Jesus. Not only are storms unpredictable, but they can be unmerciful. I mean, they're they're no respecter of persons. The disciples, they find themselves in a terrible storm. Mark 4.37, it says, There arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. Storms can sometimes fill us up. Luke 8.23 says, But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake. And they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. I mean, the rising waters inside the ship begins to bring some great alarm to the disciples. I'd probably be right there with them, pretty scared to see the boat taking on some water. They're being overwhelmed. Now for us in our lives, our storms generally don't happen in a literal ship, do they? I mean, we've probably never been in this situation. But we we can kind of understand where they were at. There's times in our lives where we've probably felt overwhelmed by the circumstances, by the trials, by the storms that we were facing. And people respond to trials and storms in different ways. And unfortunately, too many people, they'll turn to alcohol. They'll turn to drugs, immorality. They'll turn to all sorts of different ways to try to find some escape from the circumstances that they're in. Some people make drastic changes to their lives. They'll switch churches, schools, jobs, houses. And change isn't bad, but change alone will not bring peace to our lives. There's many ways to attempt to handle problems, but the only sure way to find comfort is by trusting in the Lord. And as you go through a trial, don't just immediately begin to seek some way to change your circumstances, but instead allow the Lord to begin to change your heart through the circumstances. We read these verses last week. James chapter 1. He says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Count it all joy, he said. Knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. When the trials come, allow God to work through you the way that He intends to. Don't quit, don't give up in the middle of a trial. God wants to finish that work in you. We talked last week about how his ways are perfect. And he is working in us. Philippians 1.6. And it says he'll eventually one day complete our faith. Well, those storms that we go through, that's part of the perfecting of our faith. That's right. So no matter how much your trial seems to begin to kind of fill up your boat like the disciples. Determine that you will keep trusting God. The Lord. Many of us are familiar with these verses Proverbs 3, verse number 5, and verse number 6. Read these with me this morning. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Hey, last week we talked about how Jesus got victory in times of testing. We said one of the ways that he did it was by using the word of God. And we talked about having some verses that can help us in times of tests. This would be a good verse to memorize, a good verse to keep on hand. That when we're in trials, keep trusting the Lord. Don't decide, I, I'm going to do things my own way. I must know better than God. Lean not unto thine understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. God is guiding you. He is leading you. He knows the path that you're taking. He knows the storm that you're in. And no matter how overwhelming that storm is, God will never, ever fail you. Any other boat in this storm, any other boat, it would have gone down. But I like how the old hymn, Master the Tempest is Raging by Mary Baker, We sing it every now and then. It's been a long time since we've sung it. But one of the verses says this, No waters can swallow the ship where lies the master of ocean and earth and skies. Who was on board that ship with the disciples? Jesus Christ. The Creator God was with them. And we become so filled with fear like the disciples many times when we're in the middle of a storm that we lose sense of the Lord's presence. We don't want to do that. That's exactly what the disciples did. Earlier this day, they had already seen Jesus cast out demons. They had already seen Jesus perform miracles this very day. And yet, here they are on the boat with Jesus, and they're terrified, and they've already forgotten who is with them on the ship. So don't beat yourself up too bad if you've ever found yourself in the same boat as the disciples, huh? I mean, these guys saw the very king of kings with them perform these miracles and yet they got a little scared. But let's learn from their experience. Let's, Let's look at their failure here and say, God help me in times of trouble to keep my eyes fixed on you. We don't want to forget who is on board the ship. Many times... if we will focus on God in the middle of problems and get our perspective right, we'll begin to see how big our God is in relation to how small our storms and our problems are. When we just look at our problems, they always feel big. They always feel massive. They always feel overwhelming. But when we look at God in relation to that and we get our perspective fixed back on Him, He's a lot bigger than our problems, isn't he? God is bigger than my problems. We have a great, big, wonderful God. He's with us in the midst of every storm. Our perspective changes the way that we view things. And I know several of you have heard this little illustration before, but it kind of drives home the point. The. Uh, The middle aged couple goes into their teenage daughter's room. They find that note, says, I'm writing this letter on school paper because my stationery got burned in the fire. I'm out of the hospital now and I've moved in with my new boyfriend, Bill. He got me a job where he works. I'm a waitress at the Red Dog Saloon. Your new grandbaby's due next fall. Mom, Dad, none of the above really happened. However, I did make a C in French and I'm failing history. Love your daughter. Our perspective changes pretty quick when we realize that there are things that could be worse, right? When trials come, the devil, he's going to try to get you to lose your perspective. You can write that down. You can count on it. When you face problems in life, that enemy that we began talking about that will try to stir up storms, he'll also try to get you to lose your perspective on things. And he'll begin whispering in your ear, you see, God isn't with you. God doesn't really love you. He doesn't care about you. Everyone else is against you too. You're alone and nobody cares. If we were all being honest this morning, we could probably raise our hands and say, yeah, there's been times where I have felt like that. And we have to realize that that is a lie From Satan, the Bible says he is a liar and the father of all lies. God does care, even in the midst of a storm. 1 Peter 4, verse 12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice. And that's the second time we've seen trials and testings And joy and rejoicing mentioned there, isn't it? But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Hey, when trials come, God's grace is rich within us. He's glorified in the life of a Christian. We talked about how Jesus wanted to bring glory to the Father with His life. In our lives, we bring glory to the Father in heaven when we don't quit. In the middle of a trial, when we don't give up in the middle of a trial, when we keep going forward for Jesus Christ and we keep praising Him, when we like Job, remember when his wife tried to get him to quit? She says, Job, give up, curse God, die. And Job said, You talk as one of the foolish. I won't quit on God, I won't curse God. We glorify God and others begin to see our testimony for Him when we go through trials like that. That's one of the great privileges that we have when we're suffering. Many times we don't think about the privileges that we have in the middle of suffering, but that's one of the privileges that we have, one of the opportunities we have when we are suffering is the opportunity to be faithful. or We don't quit. We don't give up. We keep serving Him anyway. And the reality is, we'll all face storms. They're unpredictable, and they can be unmerciful. But just as real as the storms is the presence of God. The disciples, they forgot just who was with them in the storm. But thankfully, number two, we see that they bring their fearful request to the Lord. Let's look at the request of the fearful. It, it says he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? I mean, in a calm assurance that God was in control, here is Jesus asleep in the middle of a storm, resting peacefully. I mean, this is a, quite a contrast between Christ's reaction and the disciples' reaction to a storm, isn't it? Here's the disciples losing their minds, ready to pull their hair out. We're about to die. Jesus, completely unaffected by the storms that are around him, sleeping. And so in fear, the disciples first cry out for the attention of Christ. They cry out for his attention. You know, why is it sometimes that when we're going through trials, we begin to doubt God's care in our lives? That's the first reaction of the disciples Here, Master, don't you care that we're about to perish? Warren Wearsby wrote this. He said, Any circumstance out of our control is in the will of God for our lives. God has a purpose and a plan for every event He allows in our lives. He loves us and He desires to have fellowship with us. In the midst of our difficulty, we should enjoy the f- sweet fellowship with our Heavenly Father that He wants to have with us. We read this verse last week in 1 Peter 5, 7. We can cast all our care, casting all your care upon Him, For he careth for you. The men on the boat, think about this. They were questioning the love of the very originator of love. If we go over to the book of 1 John, we begin to read, you find out very quick that one of the biggest characteristics, one of the biggest attributes of God is this, that God is love. And here they are. They wondered if God even loved them. If you're going through a trial and you're wondering where God is, according to the scriptures, He is our very present help in trouble. In the midst of adversity, sometimes we want God to remove our storm. But God, through adversity, is instead looking to improve His child. And again, that should be our prayer. Maybe instead of God take this storm away, God help me to become more like Jesus through this. He wants to strengthen us. And again, that's the test of our faith. While fishing at a North Carolina creek in 1799, a man by the name of Conrad Creed, he discovered this large rock that grabbed his attention. He brought the rock home for the next three years. His family used it as a doorstop and a doorstep. Eventually, his father took the rock to a jeweler and found out that the rock they had been using to walk on and as a doorstop was one of the largest gold nuggets ever found east of the Rocky Mountains. In 1799, that gold nugget turned out to be worth $3,600. I should have done the calculation to see what that is worth today, but that would probably be a pretty good chunk of money. But for three years, the Reed family never knew the value of that rock. It took an examination by an expert to test it to realize its value. And just like that rock had to be examined and had to be tested by an expert to find out its value, our faith has to be examined and tested before its strength becomes evident. Faith always has to be tested. It's it's not enough for us just to merely learn a lesson and be able to repeat some teaching. We've got to be able to have that tested and put it into practice. And that's one of the reasons why God permits trials to come into our lives. It's not to hurt us, but it's to show us where we are so we can become stronger. So as you go through trials, you can find joy. That was what our last series was, the book of Philippians, finding joy. You can find joy in knowing that your Heavenly Father will be with you through your whole storm. And then after requesting Christ's attention, the disciples decided to do what all of us should do when we're going through storms. And they request the Lord's help. They request the Lord's help. You know, it's a beautiful thing to God to see His children humble enough to ask Him for help. Help only that He can give. And the disciples, I mean, they didn't have much faith when they requested His help, but God still heard them and responded to them. And even when we're weak, and even when we're feeble, and even when we feel like we don't have much faith, God hears us when we cry out to Him. The Bible tells us in the book of James that if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Hey, we serve a faithful God who hears us and loves us. Even when storms are raging and our ships are filled up with trouble, as we come to Him and request His help, He'll intervene for us. He'll give us help that we could never found from any man. He'll allow us to see victory. He promised the disciples that they'd go to the other side. And He intended... To make that happen. The disciples experienced the reality of storms. And so do we. Thankfully, they requested his help. So should we. And then lastly this morning, notice the response from the Lord this morning to their needy cries. Mark 4.39, here's his response. He arose and rebuked the wind... And said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. As we consider Jesus' presence, consider this power that he displays during this storm. He arose on this little ship, and the first thing he did was rebuke the wind. He rebuked the wind. The word rebuke, that means to charge sharply. He spoke with authority to the winds. And what did they do? They obeyed Him. Various passages in Revelation tell us that especially during times of the Great Tribulation, that there will be demonic powers that will cause great winds to come to the earth. They're going to bring famine. They'll bring desperate times here on earth. Many times as you read through Scripture, you will find that the wind... And the devastation of it is attributed to the power of Satan. Ephesians 2.2 2 says that according to the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan. And so in this account with his disciples, we see Christ's power over Satan one more time. Throughout Jesus' whole ministry, Satan did everything he could to try to stop Jesus from making it to Calvary. Time after time after time... ...as you read through the gospel accounts... ...you'll find Satan trying to stop Jesus. But Satan was never going to have victory over Christ. Although Satan may be... ...the prince of the power of the air... ...Jesus Christ that was on that boat... ...God... ...he's the creator of the entire universe. And he has... ...power over everything. The word of Jesus Christ... It was powerful enough to stop everything that Satan was attempting to use as ammunition. So as you face storms in life, understand there's a real devil. He wants to stop you just like he stopped Jesus Christ. Satan wants to stop you from glorifying God with your life. And we can use the same thing that Jesus did, the Word... Again, we go back to it like we did last week. The Word of God is powerful. If you look up Jesus' last words in the book of Matthew, He said, All power is given unto me. And when He said all power, He was including spiritual power. And in this world, there are many different powers, including fallen angelic beings. And Jesus explained that while there's all sorts of different kinds of powers and authorities in this world... He has power over all of them. And whatever kind of wind you're facing today, maybe blowing into your life, the power of the Word of God is there to defeat that wind. Jesus rebuked the wind, and then notice He spoke to the sea. And He said, peace be still. That word for peace, it means silence, a hush, muteness, involuntary stillness, or inability to speak. And the word for the phrase, be still, it means to close the mouth with a muzzle. I mean, Jesus literally is here, causing the waves to stop. He he, he puts a muzzle onto them so that they couldn't disturb the great calmness that now exists. You know, it's comforting to know that our Lord... Our Savior, He has the power to muzzle any stormy wind that we may be facing in life. And when we're going through a season of testing, when we're going through trials, when we're going through a storm in life, rather than cowering in fear like the disciples did, we can trust in the all-powerful Savior. I like that verse in the book of Psalms where the psalmist says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in Thee. He rebuked the wind, he spoke to the sea, and then notice finally what Jesus does. He challenged the disciples. Verse number 40. He said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Where the disciples were at this point, it might be exactly where you are today. So fearful that you struggle to trust the Lord. Every one of us have been there where fear overpowers our faith. But Jesus reminded the disciples that they didn't have to be bound by fear. He knew that the disciples were afraid. He knows when we're afraid. He knows when we're filled with fear. He sees the burdens that we have on our heart. He knows when we're worried about tomorrow. But because the Lord is in the boat with us, just like He was the disciples, We don't have any reason to be afraid. Many of the promises he gives in Scripture are wonderful, but I especially love this one. Psalm 46, verse number 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear. Though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Selah. The word selah is a musical term. When we sing, we have what we call a rest in music. The word selah is a rest. And when we come to the point where we realize that God is our very present help in trouble. We don't have to fear. We can take that rest. We can breathe because He is there. God is our refuge. No matter how ferocious the storm may get, He's there. We serve a powerful, mighty God who's stronger than the powers of this world. We sing those songs and we teach them to the kids. My God is so Big, So strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. But then, you know, we kind of grow up and we may not remember those songs that we sung when we were kids. We may not learn those. We may not put them into practice. But the truth is there. The disciples, their fear pushed away their faith. And faith and fear always have a way of canceling each other out. Faith and fear cannot exist in the same place and when you take faith and you mix it with fear, you diminish the power of faith. And so Jesus challenged the disciples because they had lost their faith. We have a great God in heaven. He says, he sees the sparrows and he feeds the sparrows and he says, "Consider the lilies." And he says, "Look at the animals. I know the hairs on your head. I see when one of those fall." He tells the disciples, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear because if I can take care of everything else, I can take care of you. And so the disciples, they looked at their own resources. And they realized, man, we don't have enough. And that's a great place to be. When we realize we don't have enough of our own resources to get us through storms, to get us through trials and tests... Because that's when we realize that God is enough. I like what Charles Spurgeon said. He says, we have no more faith at any time than we have in the hour of trial. What was the purpose of this experience in this passage? Why was a storm allowed to arise on the sea with Jesus in the boat? Well, the answer is given in verse number 41 of Mark chapter 4. And what a marvelous purpose it was this was all designed to stir the people of God to ask this question, what manner of man is this? After the disciples saw Jesus calm the storm, simply by his words they marveled. Verse number 41, it says they feared exceedingly. This is a different fear than was used in the verse before when he says, why are you so fearful? This is a awe. And they said one to another, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and sea obey him? What manner of man is this? Take a minute to consider. Take time this week to consider what manner of man Jesus Christ is. He was the God-man. He was God Himself in human form, completely equal with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. He was conceived of the Holy Ghost, born from a virgin... He was raised, he never sinned, he was tempted in every point as we are, but yet never sinned. He's the Alpha and Omega, the bright morning star, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, as Isaiah calls him. And he is standing in your boat today, and he'll be standing there tomorrow, and next week, and next month, and next year, and next decade, no matter what storms and trials come, that same God is standing in your boat. And He can speak peace to your storms. He's the very creator of the world. He's there for you every step of the way. Consider His presence and know that His power is enough. If you're fearful and you're lacking faith, consider the presence that He has in His life. You can trust Him no matter how big your storm may be. Your loving Lord, He is way more powerful than any storm, than any wind that this world can blow your way. Consider his presence this week and learn from the example of the disciples. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning that we've had to study this passage. God, I pray that you'd help each of us as we deal with fear, as we deal with storms and tests in life. God, I pray that you'd help us to bring some of these things back to our mind that we have the very same God that these disciples have. We have you with us in our lives each and every day. God, we love you. We pray that we would serve you no matter what happens, that we would continue to love you, that we would put out the voices in our mind that may tell us that we're alone, that we're not loved, that we're not cared for. God, that we would put those lies totally out of our minds. We would realize that you do love us, that we can cast our care on you, that you're there for us, and that you've promised that you would take care of us. God, I pray that you would allow us to use storms in our lives as opportunities to become more like your son, that our lives would glorify you and even draw others to you because of what we've gone through. Lord, we pray that you'd now prepare our hearts for this morning worship service, that we would sing out of a heart of love this morning, out of a heart of worship, out of a heart of thankfulness, Lord, I pray that you'd have our hearts prepared to receive the preaching of the Word of God this morning, that it would work in our hearts and in our lives, that we would take it, that we would apply it, and that it would shape us and mold us to become more like Jesus. We give you thanks for all you've done for us in Jesus' name. Amen.